Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My dad was born in West Texas during the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression, in 1933. And his family was dirt poor. In fact, his parents were migrant farm workers for the first 15 years of his life. They followed the crops, picking things like grapes and cotton, which they called white gold, and melons and oranges. In fact, one year in elementary school, my dad attended nine different schools. When he was in the 10th grade, the family relocated to the Central Valley of California, and his father got a job in a cement plant, and they settled in a small town outside of Fresno called Kerman. And as is often the case when a family moves frequently, the group of kids that welcomed him into his new high school were the ones who were always in trouble. His new friends were the smokers, the partiers, the rabble-rousers, the slackers, he liked to say. And at the beginning of that school year, he was always in trouble. One day in gym class, a young first-year teacher and coach named Lee Angelich approached him. He told him that he appeared to be a good athlete and a very good basketball player, and he encouraged him to try out for the varsity basketball team, which my dad did. He made the team, and after just a few practices, Lee, Coach Lee called my dad into his office and he told them that he was running with the wrong crowd, and that if he was serious about being on the team, he'd better think about who he hangs out with. And my dad heeded Lee Angelich's advice. His grades improved dramatically. He stayed out of the principal's office. And believe it or not, their team went on to win the Central Valley Championship, which was all of Central California. And my dad always credited Coach Angelich which hit with his later success in life. He said it was a turning point, in fact, for many decades until Coach Angelich's death in 2012. My father had dinner with him at least once a month, and everyone in the family knew him as part of our family. Coach Angelich, in effect, was telling my dad, we're known by the company that we keep. We're known by the company that we keep. And there is truth to that old adage. And we teach it to our children. We try to help them from the time they're little to choose good friends with sound character. And at the same time, we try to steer them away from kids who might be, we might perceive as bullies or slackers, because if our kids are seen with them, they might acquire the same kind of a reputation. Guilt by association. It's not fair, but it happens. I knew of a pastor in Arizona, Pastor Walt. When he turned 50, he bought a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and he began riding around the streets of Phoenix. One Saturday morning, Pastor Walt stopped at a local coffee shop where he saw some other bikers who were sitting at a table as he entered. He ordered his coffee. He sat down at a table by himself, and one of the bikers called out to him, Hey, Harley man, why don't you come over here and, and sit with us? We're telling some great jokes. So he joined them at the table, and 
They weren't really great jokes. They were some very off-color jokes that they were telling. And it wasn't very long into the conversation before one of them asked him, you know, what do you do for a living? And he, all he had to say was, well, I'm a pastor. And the entire table fell silent. And they stared down into their coffee cups. Some of them coughed nervously, but a couple of them actually apologized for the inappropriate jokes that they had just told a minister. And then one of them asked about Walt's church and whether he whether bikers like them would ever be welcomed in his church. And his face brightened up, and he told them, you come to our church just the way you are, and I guarantee you that you will be welcomed. And they were. And as a sidebar to that story, Pastor Walt was invited by that same group of bikers to join them at their annual trek to the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. And he actually was invited to speak at a worship service of several thousand Harley-Davidson riders. And the point of that story is that Jesus must have been cut out of, the, of similar cloth, similar fabric to Pastor Walt. We would never encourage our children to hang out with the kind of people that Jesus hung out with, would we? We would tell them, remember, you're known by the company that you keep. So choose your friends wisely. And yet, and yet Jesus defied that logic as he moved about comfortably among the earthy, the off-color, and questionable characters of his day. And the religious folks that swarmed around Jesus, the Pharisees, hated him for it. They despised Jesus for the company that he kept and today's gospel is a case in point. Jesus is walking along through the streets of Capernaum, which is just this little fishing village north of the Sea of Galilee. And he, he spots this, this little booth, this tax office. And perhaps there was a sign above the door that said, Matthew, IRS agent. But, but the, lo the locals certainly didn't need a sign because they knew who Jesus was, what he did, and they hated him for it. We've talked about the Roman tax collectors many times before, and they were, in one word, corrupt. They overtaxed people. They would turn over a portion of what they collected to the Romans, and then they were allowed to pocket the rest. It was all a very legal scheme. And tax collectors were really the epitome, the epitome of first-century gangsters and mobsters. They extorted from the poor, and thus they became rich. And to make matters worse, tax collectors were working for the enemy, and so naturally they were among the most despised people in Jesus' society. So Jesus walks by Matthew's tax booth, and he sees him sitting at his desk, and he invites him to follow him. He says, come along with me, follow me, be a part of my team. But not only does Matthew go with Jesus, but apparently he must have introduced a whole bunch of other tax collectors and, and friends of his because in the very next verse of today's gospel, it says that Jesus and his disciples were having dinner that night with all sorts of tax collectors and sinners. And the Jewish leaders around Capernaum were stunned. They were in disbelief. They see Jesus sitting at a dinner table, dining with these most corrupt and sinful people in town, and they're laughing and they're drinking and they're carrying on. 
And so the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, asked Jesus' disciples, why in the world would your Jesus do such a thing? And Jesus must have overheard their question. And so he answers their question himself. He, he replies, those who are healthy don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. I didn't come into the world to hang out with the pompous and the religious and the healthy and the proud. I came to hang out with people like this, the sinners. A man tells the story of accompanying his wife, who was a tax attorney, to bankruptcy court just to see a, what her daily work life was like. And he was taken aback when the judge entered the courtroom. It's customary, of course, for everybody to, to stand, to rise when a, the judge enters the courtroom, but it really caught her, this husband off guard because the bailiff cried out, all debtors rise, all debtors rise. And isn't that what we do every time we come into this church in fact, as pastor and theologian William Willimon points out, it ought to be our call to worship every single Sunday. All debtors rise. Because Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And the truth is, I think most all of us who are here tend to think that we're, we're the good ones. We're the religious ones because we're here in church. We think we're the ones with the high moral character and the good values. And we do clean up pretty well, don't we, on Sunday mornings. And since we are known by the company that we keep, we like to hang out with people who look like us and act like us. But the truth is, we are all sinners. We think and do things that we shouldn't say or do. When nobody is looking, we do things that we ought not to do. But God knows our hearts. He sees into our private moments when we think that nobody is looking. And so today's gospel is, really should be great news. It should be very good news for every one of us. If I said all debtors rise, I don't think any one of us could still be standing, sitting down this morning. Because as Martin Luther said, we are all beggars at the foot of the cross, every single one of us. And if we look at the company that Jesus keeps, we should be the happiest people on earth. Because like Matthew, and like the other tax collectors and sinners that dined with Jesus that night, we are all sinners. We're in the same boat a pastor shared a true story of attending a family reunion some years ago at a local park, a city park. And everyone in this large extended family was excited about reconnecting with their family and their distant relatives. And at this large extended family gathering as they settled into the park for a picnic, they noticed a young man who really seemed to stand out. He was painfully thin, and he was dressed shabbily in, in threadbare clothes. No one seemed to recognize him or know who he was or, or to claim him as part of their family. And slowly it dawned on the family that this young man wasn't part of their family. He was probably homeless and certainly hungry. 
And then he had wandered into this family reunion in a city park and he crashed it in the hopes of a good meal, a free meal. But they sort of whispered among themselves and they decided not to say anything and they, they treated him as an honorary member of their family for that day. And they fed the young stranger plates full of food and they included him in all of their games and activities. And they treated him with kindness and dignity and respect. And everyone, including the young man, had a great time that day. And friends, our gospel for today reminds us that this is exactly what the kingdom of God is like, like that family reunion. As we gather around our Lord's table to share in Christ's body and blood, the bread and the wine, we are reminded that we are all debtors. We are all debtors. None of us really deserve to be here. And we should be very grateful to Jesus for the company that he keeps. For this scandalous meal is just overflowing with God's grace for all sinners like Matthew and all tax collectors and all of Matthew's friends and like you and me. The last thing, the last thing that I want to say is this. I just wonder what our church or any church would look like if we came to be known as the church for sinners. The church for sinners. Because in truth, that is what Jesus calls us to be. And if you doubt this, just take a look at the company that he keeps. Amen.